Hey, welcome to Fathering Our Future, the podcast for dads. I'm Anthony Vandegrift, and I'm not the perfect dad, but every day I am trying to be better. Thank you so much for being with me today. I hope that you're doing well. I hope that you feel good and that you're not stressed because you've got kids who plan on going to college and you have no idea how you're going to pay for that. If that is you, don't be too stressed because I'm going to share an interview that I did with a man whose name is Brad Balridge. He's a dad. He's also a financial advisor who specializes in helping parents plan and navigate the expenses of college. So if that's you, don't fear too much. We've got someone who's going to help you. In addition to being a financial advisor, he also hosts a podcast called Taming the High Cost of College. He's got tons of resources. He's going to share some of those things. So you're not alone and there's someone to help. I know there's lots of people who can help, but he focuses on this. He specializes in this and he has a lot of information out there that can help you. And this is what I think this episode is going to do for you today. It's not going to give you a one, two, three step of how to do it because everyone has a different family structure. Everyone has a different situation. That's not what this is going to do. But what this will do for you is it will let you know that it's probably wise to seek help in planning how you're going to pay for college. Because after sitting down with Brad and going through this interview, I myself realized there's a lot of alternatives out there. There's tons of options for you to consider and different things that might be available to you that aren't available to other people. So this isn't going to be advice on do you choose this college over this college. This is going to be advice as your kids have said, I want to go here. That's where I'm going to go. I've been accepted. Here's the plan. Now I just need you to fork over some money. So if you fall into that category, Brad's going to share some insight, some wisdom. He's eating his own words right now because he has one of his kids in college currently. So he's practicing what he preaches, and I think he's going to give you some good insight, good homework for you to do, and some things to consider so that you can plan and pay for college when that time comes. Let's get to the interview. Well, Brad, thank you so much for being with me. It's a privilege to have you on the podcast. All right. It's great to be here. I am looking forward to this because I have little kids that I know at some point are going to probably be going to college. And while my wife has worked in higher ed, I know when it comes to the financial side of things, it can be a little tricky. It can be a little bit intimidating. And so I know that I need this. And I know that there's a number of other dads out there that need this too. But before we jump into all the fun financials of college, uh, let's learn a little bit about you. So go ahead and tell us how long have you been married? How many kids do you have? Where are they at? How old are they? Give us those details. Oh, oh wow. A dad test, huh? <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> I've been married 21 years, I guess. It seems about right. 2001. Yep. It'll be yep. 22 shortly. Wow. Um, I've got three kids. One, my oldest just started college. So I'm actually now kind of living what I do and yep. also got a high school senior, <laughs> two boys that are my oldest. And then I've got a daughter that's a freshman in high school. So wow. awesome. 15 and 17 and 18 right now. That's awesome. Well, that's fantastic. It's always nice to have other dads on the program because it's like we get that camaraderie, that peer-to-peer, dad-to-dad conversation. And I know you're going to help tremendously on this topic because I have tried to do a little bit of research and see how long you've been doing this. And you've been doing this for quite a number of years. So I'm going to give you the opportunity so that I don't botch it just to let all the listeners know about your podcast, any of any of the other efforts that you have in association with your podcast, and how long you've been doing this. Okay. Yeah, great. So... I have a website that I've been working on and podcast called Taming the High Cost of College, which is available at tamingthehighcostofcollege.com. So I've got an audio podcast um, there with 150 episodes. But then there's also a lot of free resources on that web page, you know, show notes, as many podcasts have are there. But we also have costs of college by state and income. So there's some resources around that blog posts, student loan guide, um, scholarship guide for busy parents, which teaches you how to handle scholarships, you know, both merit and need, as well as outside scholarships. Uh, And some of this stuff may come up as we're talking as well, but 
lots of great free resources sure. um, to help people kind of get get going on on college. At I mean, most of it is focused towards parents of high school kids, so kind of the late mm -hmm. stage. But there is materials there as well okay. that would be useful for younger families as well. Sure. Now, I, if I remember correctly, you've been doing the podcast for what eight years? Is that right? Yeah, I think I did the first episodes in 2013. I took a two or three year hiatus wow. where I wanted to build out the website. Again, one of those things, sure. right? I decided I was going to yeah. take a six, six month break, and it took me almost three years to get back to back yeah. to it. But yes, I, I, I get it. <laughs> yes, I was uh, podcasting way before it was cool. Yeah. Well, so yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, it sounds like you have just about everything that a parent's going to need uh, to prepare for college and to feel like they have a sense of what they're doing, because I know that's important. That's something I do want to talk about. What I want to ask you first is, since you know all your kids, you have two in high school, one who just started college, what is it that triggered you to say to yourself, I need to put something together that helps parents with the high cost of college? What, yeah. what was the so, inspiration for this? Yeah, and that was probably 15 or so, maybe 18 years ago now, where when college started to kind of being a big deal, right? I mean, there was a time when, you know, maybe not when you went to college, but when I went to college, you know, I was able to work hard during the summer and take a little bit of a student loan, and I could actually pay for college. And it, it was expensive, but it wasn't out of reach like it is now to the typical student. Um, over the last 20 years, it's gotten much more expensive. And as it was becoming more expensive, it was coming up a lot more as I was working with families in my financial, you know, doing financial consulting and that type of thing. So that's when I started kind of working into it and diving into it. And I realized that there's a lot of things that families could do, but most families weren't doing it. And then I realized it really wasn't available in any one place or, you know, if you search the internet, there's a lot of very basic stuff. You know, you should fill out the FAFSA. Sure. And, right. You should save for college <laughs> yeah. and start when your kid right. is zero and get to work and save because college is going to be expensive. And it's like, that's not, yep. you know, it's true, but not real helpful. It doesn't really get you where you need to go. Um, so that's when I started really working out the various strategies and that type of stuff. And then I launched the podcast and started working with families, you know, one-on-one -on -one around college and how that worked. And, you know, so I've done about 250, 300, you know, I've had a lot of students, 250, 300 students now wow. over the years um, where I've kind of directly seen, you know, what they do, colleges they apply to, which ones accept them, what they cost, what kind of aid they get and that type of thing. And wow. one of the things I realized that's, pretty critical for many families is the way your brother-in-law did it or, you know, your neighbor probably isn't a good correlation to exactly the way you're going to do it because there's a lot of differences, you know, and, then sure. there, and again, if you, if you can find someone that earns about the same, has the same financial situation and students with the same academics and you're pursuing the same types of colleges, now there might be some synergies where, you know, it might be similar, but a lot of people say things like, well, I'm not going to get any aid because my brother-in-law didn't get any aid. But that is only useful if they very much look like you. If not, if they had different income or chose different schools or something like that, it may not be accurate to say that you're not going to get aid based on one, a sample of one person. They just might have picked bad schools for, for aid and didn't even realize it. So I think for a lot of families, it's really understanding the process. Um, and there's kind of two stages to it that I like to kind of clarify. There's the stage that I'm in. You know, I've got one in college, two in high school. I'm what I would call late stage planning, right? Um, and so late stage is when you have a high school student, you're trying to figure it all out. And then early stage is anything before that. So early stage is, you know, we're pregnant. Let's start saving for college <laughs> or got a five-year-old, a 10-year-old, kid in middle school, whatever that is, right? At those points, there's things you can do, but you're not going to be doing is visiting colleges or trying to choose a major or do right. the testing or all the things you've got to do 
what I would, which is the late stage planning. Early stage, it would be maybe college is coming. Can I save a little bit? Should I save a little bit? And if I'm going to save it, where would I save it? Yeah. That type, those types of questions. Um, and then what happens if they don't go to college and all that type of thing. So you so essentially saw this big problem. Right. Yeah, you now, if you've done problem. a fantastic job early stage and you've saved a big pile of money, you're not done. You still have to do the late stage planning. Because now it's, well, we've got this big pile of money. How do we spend it efficiently? How do we pick a school? And many people are shocked what they thought was a big pile of money with today's prices maybe isn't <laughs> yeah. quite big enough even now. Yeah. Um, so that, I think, is the challenge. And then if if it's that big, it's like, well, do I really have to spend it all on college? Is there ways we can stretch it to cover grad school? And, you know, like, questions like that. So... Late stage is a lot more, you know, boots on the ground, visiting colleges, taking yes. tests, filling out applications, both for financial aid and admission. Um, just a lot more work, whereas early stage is laying the groundwork. And then somewhere around eighth grade, freshman, sophomore, you make that transition. And I think for a lot of people, they don't make that transition soon enough. Hmm. If you've got a, you know, Ideally, sophomore year, I think, is a good time to really hit college planning hard, which is, again, different than how you and I probably did it. A lot of times, sure. you know, 20 and 30 years ago, you'd wait till your senior year before you even did much of anything, which right. it's slowly has shifted now to junior year a little bit. But I would recommend that you, you know, even do a few things in the sophomore year. Um, okay. I've, you know, as I say, I've never ever had anyone tell me I started this too early. Yeah. But I have That's a, a whole point. lot of people tell me they've started it too late. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and by the, and if you wait, then what it's a panic situation all the time. It's like, oh, we got to figure this out. You know, we got to figure out when to take the test and that kind of stuff. Cause I think the first test might be three weeks from tomorrow. Yeah. Like, oh my God, let's figure it out, you know, versus, <laughs> Let's figure this out at the beginning of the junior year. So you know, what I recommend families do is at the very beginning of the junior year, understand that there's five or six things you really need to kind of figure out. You need to have a testing plan. Are you going to take ACT, SAT, both, neither? There's test optional now, which confuses things. Um, you need to have a scholarship plan. Are you going to pursue scholarships? What types of scholarships? Um, you need to have a good school list by the end of your junior year. So during the junior year, you should have a visit plan. You know, we're going to go to these schools and then based on what we learn, maybe we'll go to those schools or, um, but in addition to the visits, then it's also the research of, well, and people don't realize that there's a lot of schools. Um, what, what city are you in? I am in the Dallas Fort Worth area in Texas. Okay. Right. So there's probably 50 to 100 schools in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Yeah. And off the top of your head, you can name 10 or 12. And then yeah, if you talk to, right, and if you talk to your wife, she'll name 10 or 12, and it won't be the same 10 or 12. There's just a lot of schools out there where it's right. like, oh, yeah, I forgot about that one. Oh, yeah, for, just and which ones are a good fit and how do you, how do you pick from among them um, and how they all work. So I think that's important that you know, so again, the junior year, by the end of the junior year, if you've got a good working school list of these are the schools that we're going to apply to, you have an idea of scholarships, you know, will we qualify for scholarships from these schools or not? Are we willing to pay full price at these at these schools if we're not going to get scholarships? Um, testing, you've got scores that you're happy with and are likely to get you accepted to the colleges on your list. It's another thing that I see happen a lot is you're doing this all in parallel, right? You're picking your schools and you're doing your testing and your junior year, you're starting to hit the tougher courses. And all of a sudden you realize that, oh, I don't have the grades to get into these schools or my grades have greatly improved. So now these schools, maybe I can take a step up and go to more competitive schools now um, because I'm doing better than I thought I would um, yeah. or whatever. Right. So that all has to kind of work together of my grades and test scores need to fit the schools. The schools need to offer the majors I'm interested in. I got to figure out what I want to be when I grow up, you know, so there's a lot going on 
And there's a lot a, going on. Right. It's not, we're going to sit down on one Sunday afternoon and we're going to work this out. It's going to be, you know, many visits and Sunday yeah, afternoon that's what I tried discussion to <laughs> and, and research on online and, you know, working with the various test prep companies potentially. And yeah. Um, and then there's the advanced strategies. If you're a business owner, there's additional things you could do if you're divorced or separated. That makes the things more complicated. Um, twins. That's always interesting. I actually met a family not too long ago that had twin juniors and twin sophomores. So we had four kids in two years. And I said, That's a lot of school visits. You know, they're all going different directions potentially, and it can yeah. be a lot more work now. And if you're, if you're in that situation, start earlier because again, you're going to need time to each kid's going to need some attention yes. of this kid's going to art schools and that kid's going to engineering schools. So they're, you know, you can't do you know, just more work. Um, right. And, you know, blended families and divorce makes things complicated. And if you have a student that's, you know, really a strong student, well, now they have opportunities all over the country potentially. And it's like, are we going to go, you know, starting in Texas? Are we just going to do Texas schools? Or are we going to go to California and look at colleges? What about the East Coast? Yeah. What about Midwest? You know, which of those you know, is it going to be airline tickets just to do our visits? Or are we going to stay closer to home? All these things kind of factor in. Let where... me break in on you. Yep. Let me just break in on you because... Okay, so you know, I know a little bit about the college thing, but you have just unraveled this nuancing list of of chaos that I'm sure parents who are, you know, in the stage that you find yourself in are probably like, "Oh my goodness, like all of these different things to consider, they're now having to go through and then all having to trying to figure this out." And as you stated early, most people probably are not qualified to do this. It was you as a financial advisor where you were looking at all this and like you said, most people weren't doing the things that they needed to be doing. They weren't taking the right steps to really benefit when it came to the expenses associated with college. So you jump in here and you know, you're this you're this resource that parents need, that dads need. And you mentioned this. This is the one thing that we're doing, me and my wife. We had kids. Mm -hmm. We opened accounts for them, and we started putting some money away because we knew college is the probable outcome for the kids. And even if it's not, my wife recommended the idea because her grandparents did this for all of their grandkids. They opened an account, and literally they would go to the bank and drop off change if they had change and when they all graduated, they all got access to this account. And even just a little bit of change here and there actually turned out to be a decent amount of money that was really helpful for them. So that's one thing that I've recommended when I've talked about preparation on a broad scale. I've focused in on that. But that's the extent of my knowledge. So you are the expert in this field. Let's mm -hmm. let's Let's break this down. Let's start first, which if you have any else to contribute to, you know, starting an account early on, if there's a particular type of account that parents need to do, you can, you know, give some advice and wisdom on that. But in the early stages of planning for college, is there anything else outside of, you know, just start saving money that, that we can do? Give us, give us some, you know, direct steps on what we should do at that point. Right. Well, I think the first step is to really decide how important paying for college is. You know, as an example, you guys have decided to put some money aside for college, which means you have less yeah. money to spend on a bigger house or less money to go out to eat or whatever it is, right? You've decided to. Yeah. And even if that money isn't going directly into a college account, if it um, people need to treat it like that, right? Where they say, well, you know what, we're going to have intentionally choose used cars instead of new, used cars instead of new cars so that we can put more money away for college. Or mm -hmm. we're just not going to go to the biggest house the bank says we can afford 
because yes, theoretically we could make that work, but then we're going to be so tight, we're not going to be able to handle it. So I think the biggest challenge that I see is as people roll into college, they've learned how to spend every penny they make, whether they're earning 50,000 a year or $250,000 a year. They've yeah. just, again, and that's typical, right? You, you figure out, you know, maybe you put money in your 401k and spend what's left or whatever it might be. But but many families at many different income levels say, well, how am I possibly going to be able to come up with that 500 or 1000 a month that college is going to cost? And those are the kind of numbers we're talking about often in the late stage, right? Is, well, we need an extra yeah. 500, 1000, 1500 a month to make this work. And they're saying, well, wait a minute, you know, I only make 12000 a month and I've got it all spent, which is, you know, that's a pretty comfortable life thing or, you know. Other people are saying, well, geez, if you make 12000 I only make sure. 7000 So you should easily be able to pay for college. But it just doesn't work that way. I don't care what level. It's been bigger garage right. theory. I don't care how big your garage is, Dad. It's always full. And if you've got a bigger garage, you just yes. get more stuff. <laughs> and yeah, kind of the same thing when it comes so to um, your income, right? If you learn how to spend it, all of a sudden you've got commitments for a bigger house or more vacations or whatever it is. And again, you, you don't feel like you can squeeze college in. So if you just know it's coming and, you know, kind of stick it in there, I think that's mentally, or even with a financial planner or however you're doing your planning, but kind of, you know, maybe it's not even going into a college account, it's just general savings. Mm -hmm. um, so that you could direct it to college if you need to. Um, again, because if you have a baby, you, you know, maybe college isn't going to happen. Maybe they get a, some scholarships and they don't, you don't have to pay for it. And it's like, oh, I got all this extra money now, which is a better problem to have than, I, you know, I've spent all my money and now I need extra money for college. So I think that's right. kind of the first step is, you know, build a budget around what you feel is a reasonable commitment for college. And, you know, some families it's going to be, we, you know, we're going to have to help them with loans. We're, we can't pay for it all. Some parents mm -hmm. come to me and say, they can go to any school at any price and we're going to pay for it. But I don't hear that very much anymore because it's very expensive. Sure. Yeah. So, you know, what is reasonable kind of think through some of that. And then if you choose to save for college, which I think makes sense in many cases, you could combine it into retirement. You could set up a specific account like a 529 or college savings account. Um, or you could just save it into stocks and bonds. You know, I met a dad recently that looks like a genius now because he put it, put college money into Apple stock 15 years ago. And it's now worth quite a bit well more played. than what he put in. <laughs> um, wow. Yeah. But, you know, there's all kinds of different ways to do it. But just being aware, I think, is the first step. I think most people are kind of gotcha. ignore the problem until it rears its ugly head when you've got kids in high school. Um, yes. Yeah. So we can find, you know, 529s have tax advantages, but they also have some downsides, which is if you take the money out, that's not for college, then you're going to pay taxes and penalties. Um, so balancing, mm. you know, the good and the bad. Um, yeah. Sometimes I recommend families overfund retirement a little bit while the kids are young so that they can underfund it during the college years. Um, okay. That's another strategy. Those are a few different things you can do. But once again, it's that whole idea of $200 per month per child is not unreasonable. Sure. To, you know, pay for most of a state school. At least that would have worked going backwards, right? If you put two, you know, my 18 year old, if I would have put it $200 a month in, it would have, you know, probably grown to enough to cover the state school or pretty close to that. Wow. You know, if I started when so he there's was obviously, Yeah. And so there's obviously a bunch of, uh, of different options. And I would, if I feel like I'd be safe making the assumption that there's not just one right way to do it because of every family financially is going to look a little bit different. So it sounds right. like, you know, 
not only maybe listening to you a lot, but also maybe working directly with a financial advisor would be the wise way to go early on. Right. I I would agree with that, right? I mean, there's a lot. I mean, another big change that most people aren't aware of that I think I should mention is there's a lot of consultants out there now. And if your kids came to you and said, Dad, I really like the guitar or I really like the piano. I think I want to learn how to play. Now, do you know how to play the guitar or the piano? You do? I play the piano. (laughs) You do? Okay. So could you teach your kids to play the piano? I could. Okay. Would you teach them to play the piano or would you hire, right? Or would you outsource that? I think that's the the challenge that most people. Depends on my level of patience at the time of life. Right. Exactly. Right. So there's the same thing going on in college right now. (laughs) People don't know we exist, right? I can help on the financial side, but I generally don't work directly with students. If your student needs help figuring out what they want to be when they grow up or um, choosing colleges that might be a good fit or choosing majors or whatever, you know, help writing their essays, uh, test prep, helping prepare for testing, all of that stuff is available, you know, as outside consultants of, and again, it could be online various levels too, right? You can go get that high price consultant. You can find group classes. You can find uh, online mm-hmm. courses. There's all kinds of help for all of this stuff. Kind of like there is for piano now, right? You can go to the internet and find online piano lessons. You can hire very expensive coaches to teach piano. And for the right kid, the expensive coach is the right answer. Um, But if they're not on their way to being a piano genius, then maybe something else is the right answer. But most people don't even realize that all of this is out there. Yeah. Um, So they don't know to look. And that's one of the challenges our industry has is getting the word out. And then how do you find the right, you know, the right fit again? of, and we see it, you know, and college is not the, not the only thing, right? I mean, if your kid plays baseball or is a musician or whatever, there's various levels of coaching and classes and, you know, pitching coaches or whatever, right? In all areas where your student could get more help. Sometimes, you know, again, sometimes dad can step in and be a pitching coach, but a lot of times dads are in over their head for piano lessons for pitching coach or whatever it is. Well, the same thing around college, right? If you're, I don't know how to help my student choose their major. Well, there are people that can help. Yeah. Um, and then obviously financial advisors that specialize in college, you know, most of the stuff I'm doing, most CPAs and general financial planners don't know much about. It's not their specialty. Hmm. Just like a pitching coach has got a very specific you know, they're not going to work with the catcher and they're not going to work without, you know, with the batters, they're going to work with the pitcher. Right. Uh, kind of the same thing here where I work with parents on the stuff parents are supposed to be working on and figuring out. And got it. if the student needs help, then we outsource that to someone that has that specialty. So it's not just trying to find a financial advisor in general. It's trying to find one who has a focus on college. Correct. Especially okay. when you get to the late stage. I mean, early stage, if you're saying, you know, we need to save 200 a month or a thousand a month or, you know, generally financial advisors are pretty good at the saving and investing side of things. Mm-hmm. It's the other areas of, will I get need-based aid? Will I qualify for scholarships? You know, how much should I save? You know, a lot of times they're not doing a great job yeah. in some of those areas. Well, let's transition and let's talk about late stage. And you mentioned you had five things that, you know, you recommend that we focus on. Let's, let's get into detail on those five focuses that you recommend Mm -hmm. to parents. Okay. Right. So I think one area that families need to understand is the college visit. So you don't have to visit colleges. And recently it's been a challenge for families because you couldn't visit colleges due to COVID. Yeah. So, yeah. Wow. They've got a lot of online resources now, most colleges, because they, you know, it went from 
oh, please come visit us at our campus too. We're closed. You can't come. But how do we get students, you know, to sign up? So right. they created online tours and info sessions and, and that stuff is great. And they're going to continue with that now that they've figured out how to create it. In addition, though, I think families should do some actual in-person go to a campus visit. Now you can always start, and this is a great recommendation that I tell a lot of families is, you know, well, what would I do sophomore year? Well, sophomore year, you might just do a no pressure visit to your local state school. Even if you're not interested in going, just go visit a school. Cause a lot of teenagers, you're going to ask your teenager, well, what kind of college do you like? They're gonna be like, I don't know. I've never been on, I've never seen a college. How would I know? Yeah. They, don't, they don't say that, but that second half, right? All they say right. is, I don't know. Yeah, exactly. They don't, <laughs> right? They've never been to a college. They don't know what, what you're talking about, you know, and I don't know what the kids watch today, but, you know, my first introduction was Animal House and the various movies, right? Which obviously is not a fair representation of what college is. Sure. Um, so if that's their only reference of whatever TikTok or whatever they're watching, yeah, it's probably not, you know, so just get out there and and get the visits, you know, do a couple preliminary visits just to get your feet wet. Okay. A, you know, a, a big school and a small school, a, a urban downtown school and a suburban school and an out in the country school, you know, big and a small, whatever it might be, a public and a private, just so that they have something to compare. Because a lot of times sure. you go, you take a kid to a college and he says, wow, that's fantastic. I love it. And then you go to the next one. And, wow, that's also fantastic. I love that too. Well, which one did you like better? Oh, that's right. I yeah. can only pick one. Now I have to start <laughs> figuring out what's important to me. What do I like more? What do I like less? Um, and then as you, you know, a lot of colleges, when you start doing the tours, you know, the thing is they'll take you to the shiny new stadium and the fancy new dorm. But if your student is saying, well, I'm a biology major, can you show me the biology labs? It's like, oh, no, we don't show you those things because then you wouldn't come. Yeah. So, you know, <laughs> part of that, you know, there's a little bit of they're putting their best foot forward and showing you the shiny new stuff, sure. and not necessarily the CD underbelly if there is one. And again, just depends yeah. on the college and what's going on. But um, so that's one area that. Um, college research, you know, on my website, we've got cost of colleges by state where you can literally get a list of 20 or 30 or 40 colleges, depending on how big your state is and how many colleges are there and what they cost after you receive aid like scholarships and grants. So a typical state school now averages about 25,000. At the higher incomes, typically you're not going to get much aid, so your net cost is going to be twenty five thousand. Hmm. Now, a typical private school, I think they average around fifty thousand now. Wow! But they also average twenty thousand off, so their net cost is actually thirty. So a lot of people, you know, cross okay. off the, the the private school because they say, well, the private school is fifty and the state school is twenty or twenty five. Why wouldn't I spend? You know, why would I spend double? And the reality is, in a lot of situations, you wouldn't spend double. And in some situations, the private schools might actually be less than the state school. Interesting. So you need to understand the bigger picture. It's kind of like shopping for a car, right? First, you need to kind of get some generalities. Do I want a minivan? Do I want a pickup truck? Do I want a sedan? And then, well, what's the difference between a Honda and a BMW other than the price? You know, what do I get for that extra yeah. money, et cetera, right? It's the same process except, you know, the college process. of. So you got to kick some tires and, you know, your kid might get into a minivan and say, there's no way I'm driving this around, Dad. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want the souped-up sports car. And you're going to say, well, well maybe yeah. not the souped-up sports car. That seems a little dangerous. How about a general sedan over there, right? I mean, so that kind of that process of, and if you ask your student what what kind of car do they want to drive, if they've never been in a car before, getting back to the visit idea, right? If they've never been in a car, how would they possibly be able to answer that question? Um, sure. So that, you know, that that's the visits. That, but there's research out there. So as I mentioned on my website, there's some preliminary pricing that you can do. Um, and then you need to understand scholarships because that's where the net price comes from, right? Some 
colleges will offer you twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollars in scholarships. And that's where if you get go to the right school or you get substantial scholarships, you know, it could start at sixty and go down to twenty. And your local state school might be twenty five. You're like, oh yeah. Wow. So the private school I like is actually cheaper than the public school I don't like. Yeah. And again, that's not always the case, right? Um, so that's kind of the research. And again, there's lots of resources on my website around pricing. And there's also what's called a net price calculator that helps you figure out if you qualify for need-based aid and merit aid. Those are the two big ways of, okay. that you get financial aid. And then the last one would be scholarships. So there's scholarships from the colleges themselves, which we, you know, we've kind of been talking about. But in addition to that, you can get right. scholarships elsewhere. You know, Bill Gates Foundation offers a scholarship and Coca-Cola offers a scholarship. Now, those are the big ones that are highly competitive. Do you, there's also do a lot you... of little scholarships. You know, there's a local Rotary or Elks Club uh, where mom and dad work or play. Um, do you go into detail club. on your website about ways to apply for these? scholarships you're talking about and for the aid yes okay so a scholarship guide for busy parents you know we'll expand on what we're talking about here but gotcha. the gist of it is there's there's three main categories your family might be really strong in one or two of the categories which is where you'd want to focus then okay um versus not as strong in other categories um you know so to give you i've had a lot of students win you know, $20,000 scholarship at the college that they're attending. But I had one family, one young man who really worked hard on scholarships. He did 41 scholarship applications for $39,000. Now that covered wow. two years at the public school that he attended. Wow. But if you think about that, how long does it take to do 41 scholarship applications? Not something you <laughs> too long again, for me. <laughs> Exactly. It wasn't one Sunday yeah. afternoon. It was many <laughs> Sunday afternoons. Exactly. Um, but it was well worth it. And well, sure, yeah. Right. And where I've seen success when it comes to scholarships is when the parents help out. Now, again, hopefully they're not writing the essays and that kind of stuff, but they're at least helping with finding scholarships that might be a good fit. And keeping things yes. organized and tracking all the deadlines. You know, if you've got 40 scholarships you're pursuing, you've got 40 deadlines to keep track of and 40 applications to keep track of and et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, having someone help with that makes sense. Um, I did yeah. a podcast interview with Christina Ellis, who did really well with scholarships. She did so well, she literally wrote a book about it. Um, wow. And what she had mentioned that kind of, stuck with me from that podcast. She said, sometimes my mom didn't do anything at all. She just sat in the library and read a magazine while I was working on scholarships. And then she bought me ice cream <laughs> after I worked hard for a couple hours. And just the fact that she was yeah. willing to, you know, be part of the process, even though she wasn't actually doing the hard work meant a lot to her that she actually still remembers that, you know, where, yeah. you know, mom helped if it was, even if it was just yeah. moral support. Um, where I see a lot of failure around scholarships is when dad says, you know, Saturday morning at noon, the kid rolls out of bed. Finally, they come downstairs. So dad says, well, how are those scholarships coming? Oh, I, oh okay, I guess. And every couple of weeks you nag them a little, that's probably not going to work. And again, it's not like students are saying, <clears throat> I'm revolting. There's no way I'm going to do it. They intend to do it. They just don't know what sure. to do and how to do it. And yes, they've got AP this and prom and all this other stuff, sports and all this other stuff going on. And they're trying to squeeze it in between when they actually get some time to sit down and do it. They sit there and spin their wheels for a couple hours. You know, walk away, come back two months later. And next thing you know, college is here and they never quite got it done. Mm. Um, you know, when I mentioned that one student did 40 some scholarship applications, he's probably there's probably 10 out of that 250 that did that kind of work. Sure. Because, you know, they didn't know what to do. They didn't know how to do it. They didn't have enough time. A lot of times we're, you know, again, fighting fires where we don't have time to do scholarship applications and financial aid application and applications for admission. 
but we have to do the last two. So I guess we're going to have to give up on the scholarships because we have to apply for admission. Yeah. We have to do the financial aid applications. So scholarships get cut because we just, something has to give. It's not enough time to get it all done. It sounds like it's really uh, important to have a, a plan laid out to follow. Correct. Yeah. And right. And it's not a, I'm going to lay out my plan. I've got a sophomore now. Here's my plan. It's more of kind of an iterative process again of, yeah. Here's some things to learn about. Here's some things to do. All right. Based on what I've done and what I've learned, what are my next steps? You know, again, because students might walk onto the state school campus and say, I hate them. Oh, well, now we got yeah. a different, we have, you know, plan B. Let's look at other options. Or I love them. Yeah. Okay. Maybe we're done. Um, yeah. But there's a lot of turns I, and, and, you know, kind of things that need to get baked in. Um, I think then, that's really important um, with with the parent involvement since we're talking about this because this is something else that I wanted to ask you about. So a little history and context for this question. So right out of high school, I actually received a little bit of aid and I had received a scholarship from a school. I still saw the numbers and it was a private school. So I still saw the total numbers and I saw how much I had. And as an 18 year old, I thought that's still a big gap financially. And that amount of money just seemed unattainable. But outside of the financial side with enrollment and admission and everything else that you have to do just to get into college, for me, it was overwhelming, and what created even more doubt for me is the fact that I didn't have confidence that my parents were really in tune with what was going on. If I did ask questions, I didn't really get answers that gave me confidence. So I didn't actually, I, I wasted the aid and the scholarship and didn't go to college straight out of high school. Now, when I got married, my wife has worked in higher education her entire professional career. So she was like, you're too smart to not go to college. So I, I ended up going to college and, and doing it quicker because of her. And I'm glad I'm glad she kicked me and made me do it. But what outside of – and you, you I, I would imagine you have tons of resources for this. But what outside of the uh, financial spectrum of college – what what are some key things for parents, and you've already mentioned some, but if there's any others, what are some key things for parents to do to to make sure that they're up to date with how the college experience works, the enrollment, the admissions? Because like you said, college today is probably a little different than it was when you went to college. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, we're going to have a lot of people, I'm going to say in my generation, who are probably like, oh, you know, back in the 90s and back in the 80s, college was like this. It's all the same. But it's clearly not. So what are some things that parents can do uh, to be intentional about keeping up with current college times? Right. Well, I think, you know, again, to my own horn, plugging into like a podcast. I and mean, again, people, you know, podcasting is one of the fantastic things out there where I learn a ton while I'm driving around. Yeah. So while you're doing soccer taxi, you know, listen to something about college and learn what, what the latest trends sure. are. I mean, it's out there now with podcasts and um, tie that in with college visits or just reading some articles or whatever it might be where, you know, and if you start early and you can kind of drip it in, I think that's a good way for the parents to learn the ins and outs of what's going on. Um, and there's podcasts around admissions. You know, if you've got the kind of kid that's saying, I want to get to Harvard or Yale, um, obviously that's a challenge. It's hard to get into those schools, but obviously some people pursue it and rightly so, you know, they have a shot, but because they're working on something like that, it's going to be a lot more work and, you know, they've got to have that polished essay and they've got to have the great grades and they've got to have some sort of ace in the hole type of thing. Um, sure. And if you don't know that going in, well, then, you know, it's like being five foot six and saying, I'm going to play in the NBA. It's like, well, you can say yeah. that all day long, but your odds yeah. are really slim. And you know, You're not Spud the, Webb. <laughs> that, that famous short, and I don't remember what his name is. There was that famous short player that Spud. actually, you know, actually did play in the NBA. 
but he's one out of yep. you know millions and millions, right? It just you could be the yeah. one that defeats the odds. But sure, you know, understanding what you know what you're doing and getting involved in. But I guess other than that, I think parents that have that expectation that their kids are going to college early on, and if they're college graduates themselves, there's a lot of subliminal messages and so forth where they just kind of talk about how great college was mm. a lot of the time. And they, you know, and you're going to go to college, you know, you tell your five-year-old, what are you going to go to college for? You want to be an astronaut or a fireman? Yeah. Um, but college is, you know, is assumed now. Right. Actually, I think that's almost a mistake to where there are a lot of great careers and a lot of professions where maybe college isn't the right answer or like you did taking some gap time, to figure out what you want yeah. to be when you grow up. That's what's kind of new as well in the college realm is there's now programs out there where the students take a year off or, or more and do things mm-hmm. outside of education just to kind of get their feet back on the ground and then go off and do the next step. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of career paths that, you know, college really isn't required, right? I mean, what college do you go to to be a rock star? Um, what college do you go to, to sell MRI machines, right? If you, if you're good at sales, it doesn't really matter where you went to school. Now, how do you get good at sales? Well, you could get good at sales by starting to sell cell phones when you're 16 in the mall and just working it and learning it and studying it and learn school of hard knocks, as they say, or you get some sort of formal sales training or, you do go to college for some sort of entrepreneurship or something. Mm-hmm. But I think people, you know, if you think about the, you know, the people you spend money with and that type of thing, when you go to your dentist, it's like, where did you go to your undergrad? Oh, you went there? Well, never mind. I'm not going to use you as a dentist. <laughs> now, you, don't, right. you don't ask that question. It's like, are you a dentist? Yes, you are. Can you solve my problem? Yes, I can. Okay. Yes. Well, I guess I trust you. Let's get it done. Right. It's not. Yeah. You know, so a lot of people put a lot of pressure on the right school, you know, that, that whole got to get into the right kindergarten so we can get into the right grade school that will lead us to the right high school, that'll lead us to the right college, that'll lead us to the perfect career. That's way too, you know, in my opinion, again, that's way too much stress, which you know, generally sure. doesn't work that way anyway. Um, on the flip side, you know, having your kids read and explore and and that type of thing. And I think it's, there's a lot of first generation families where maybe mom and dad didn't go to college. So they, I think there's a challenge there. They really can't answer questions. And they don't know much about it. Mm-hmm. And they might be served by having you know, a family friend or someone do a little bit of coaching or talking or paying for these consultants we've talked about. Yeah. Or, um, taking advantage of some resources at the high school, perhaps there's something there. There's a lot of uh, first generation clubs and that kind of thing at many of the high schools that are kind of geared towards students that want extra support to get to high school or even get to college and they're while they're in high school. Um, So there's a wide array of resources and that type of thing. Sure. To help. And then the flip side is college isn't the right answer for you know, something like 30 or 40% of the people that do some college actually graduate with a degree. Wow. Didn't realize that. So, you know, there is a, a a contingent out there that, you know, paid for one or two or three, maybe more years of college, never actually graduated. So they have all the expense, they have the student loans, they have the debt, but they don't have the degree. Well, that didn't help anybody. No. And... (laughs) You know, and again, maybe they learned enough in college that they'll eventually, you know, but if you, you know, just ask 10 people what, what their story around education and career paths are, you'll notice that a lot of people have pretty hard left turns in their careers. You know, I studied this, but I changed careers to that. And then this opportunity came along and I got involved in this instead. Yeah. You know, and, you know, so I think there's a lot of pressure on picking the right major and some of that stuff. And rightly so in some ways, because if you think about it, if I'm going to spend all this kind of money on school, let's make sure we 
get something that's you know worth it, so to speak. Yeah. And changing our major is a very expensive challenge that, you know, we don't want to do that if we don't have to. Yeah. I had a cousin who did it. I gave him a hard time for uh, taking five years to get a four-year degree. Yes, exactly. And that was the norm again when I was young. It wasn't unusual for people to, oh, I tried business, didn't like it. So I tried engineering and I didn't like that. So now I'm in elementary ed. And this is what I like. Again, that's an expense. When college was low cost, that was a good way to explore. Sure. Now you maybe you do your exploring by shadowing a teacher and shadowing an engineer, and yeah. doing your exploration some other way. That's smart. Um, instead of you know Paying college at twenty five thousand a year, yeah, <laughs> to learn. Oh, there's one major I don't like. Yeah. Wow. Um, okay. Yeah. So this this is what I have taken from this because. It's been like a waterfall for me because I did not know about all of the variations of scholarships. I didn't know about the the differences in aid that you can get. Um, you know, you br- you brought up really good points about just the college visits. I loved the analogy of you know going to buy a car because you have so many of the same vehicle and there's different manufacturers and on and on and it goes. Great analogy there. There's a lot to consider, and especially even even with the savings accounts, like there's particular accounts that people should use and shouldn't use depending on, you know, financially what their life looks like, what their family situation is. There's a lot. So I want to give you an opportunity to, again, give your website, your podcast, and give that information to us. But before you do that, let me ask you to leave us with some calming words of wisdom. Let's just say that we've got dads, we've got parents with kids in high school and they are freaking out because they feel like they are not prepared. They don't know what to do. If if they were to walk into your office and be like, Brad, we need your help. What, what would you say to them to give them some peace of mind? Right. Well, and again, it's, it's one of those things where in the end, most families figure it out. Maybe they, you know, did it the high stress way and had a lot of sleepless nights to do it. Um, maybe they started a little earlier and they kind of walked methodically through it or hired someone to help them. But in the end, a lot of kids go to college. They all figure it out. It's kind of like, you know, my daughter was a freshman in high school. She was really stressed out about being a freshman in high school. And of course, she's my third. So I know, you know, they all had that stress, but that stress mm-hmm. is, you know, they, now that she's been in, in the high school for, you know, this, you know, months and months now, I ask her about it. You know, what was so stressful about it? She says, I don't know. I don't understand why it was such a big deal. It wasn't that, you know, but for a lot of families, it's that step into the unknown of kind of starting over yes. from square one. And we got all this stuff to figure out. but. You know, find the resources, figure out, you know, dedicate time or dedicate money or some combination. I think that's the other thing that, you know, good planning can make a great difference. Some people will, you know, like to plan and will do it themselves and do a great job at it. Other people, Mm -hmm. you know, might be better off to just find someone to help them because it's not going to get done well if they don't because they're busy. You know, sure. Maybe they've got a successful career going on and they don't really have the time. And then I think sometimes yep. it's the desire. You know, I could figure all this out. I just don't want to. You know, just like our cars, yeah. they're getting com- cars are complex enough now that I could change the oil. I just don't want to. And yeah, you know, that, that's the story of many things that are going on now. Where we're having more of a society with more experts and more people that have deeper expertise than we'll ever have. And we can choose mm-hmm. to work with them or not, obviously. Um, but in the end, I don't, you know, it's something that is a challenge that most families can rise to and figure it out. And again, there might be some loans involved and that type of thing, but it's sure. not completely unattainable for most families. It's just, it's really getting all your ducks in a row the right way. And all of a sudden it just kind of falls into place a lot of the time. 
sounds a lot like becoming a dad. You exactly. can freak out because, <laughs> oh man, I've got a baby. I don't know what to do. I've never changed the diaper. But a year into it, you're like, you know what? This is a lot of fun. That's we're going to uh-huh. be okay. We're going to make it. Well, that's that, that's that's good to know. So for the dads out there who are thinking, you know what? This is not going to happen. I let my kids down. Give it a shot because it can happen. Brad, I have appreciated your time. I have greatly appreciated your wisdom on the topic of uh, preparing for college and for the expenses. And uh, I want to give you the opportunity one more time. Leave us with your resources uh, because I definitely can't help people, but you clearly can. So let everyone know how they can find you, listen to you, your website. Yep. Right. So again, tamingthehighcostofcollege.com is the website. It's also the name of the podcast. So wherever finer podcasts are sold, obviously that's, you can find us by searching for that. If you want the podcast, you can go to the website, you can get the scholarship guide for busy parents, the need-based aid calculator. There's actually a tab that says resources where you can literally find some of the key resources there. And there's a work with Brad if you want, you know, want to explore, you know, doing a class with me or working directly with me that's available as well. All right. Well, I hope you're still doing good and I hope you're not as stressed as you might have been at the beginning of this podcast. You might still be because that was a lot of information. That was a lot to take in. But here's what you need to take away from that. What you need to take away is the fact that there are a lot of options. There's a lot of alternatives. There's a lot of things to consider. And you don't do that professionally. You probably don't anyway. So it might be wise to seek out some help, to get some guidance before figuring out exactly the path that you're going to take. Also know that because there's so many options, that there is hope. You might feel like you're drowning with, I have no idea how we're going to pay for this. There's hope. There's options out there. So don't be overwhelmed. Realize that there are people out there who are dedicated to helping you. So it's going to be okay, and you're going to make it. It's like Brad said. Everyone that he's worked with, regardless of their situation, at the end of the day, they always get through it. They always find a way to pay for everything. Everything gets resolved in the end. So don't stress out. Take it easy. Relax. Take the time that you have. Be wise with it. Plan the way that you need to plan, and you'll navigate all the expenses of college. It might not be seamless, but you'll get through it. This is Fathering Our Future, the podcast for dads. I'm Anthony Vandegrift. Thank you so much for being with me, and I hope you'll join me next time. Disclosures. The information provided to you today is for educational purposes only. It is not intended to be specific recommendations or advice. Please consult with a qualified professional before acting on any of this material. Investing involves risk. Depending on the types of investments, there may be varying degrees of risk. Investors should be prepared to bear loss, including total loss of principal. 529 College Savings Plan Disclosures Investors should carefully consider investment objectives, risk, charges, and expenses. This information and other important information are contained in the Fund Prospectuses, Summary Prospectuses, and the 529 Product Program Description. These documents can be obtained from a financial professional or directly from the plan's website. Please read them carefully before investing. Depending on your state of residence, there may be an in-state plan that offers tax and other benefits which may include financial aid, scholarship funds, and protection from creditors. Before investing in any state's 529 plan, investors should consult a tax professional. If withdrawals from 529 plans are used for purposes other than qualified education, the withdrawal could be subject to a 10% federal tax penalty, state penalties, federal income tax, and state income tax. Brad Baldridge's Disclosures Brad Baldridge is a registered representative with Cambridge Investment Research. Securities are offered through Cambridge Investment Research, Incorporated, a broker-dealer, and member of FINRA and SIPC. Brad Baldridge is also an investment advisor representative with Cambridge Investment Research Advisors, a registered investment advisor. 
Baldridge Wealth Management and Baldridge College Solutions are affiliated. Cambridge and the Baldridge Companies are not affiliated. The registered branch location is at 10521 West Layton Avenue, Suite 200, Greenfield, Wisconsin, 53228.